just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you. You know, if you've listened uh, to my you know broadcasts, you've heard me talk about being adopted and tracking down my biological mother. And finally, 23 years later, big surprise of this guy being your biological father. And for me, it's been it's been a wonderful story. Uh, and and growing up, you know, my parents were great. I knew I was adopted at a young age. Um, they you talked about scripture, how we're you know we're all brought into the family of God. We're all adopted by God in a sense. And so, you know, I, my adoption experience has been just a blessing all the way around. Uh, and, and I, I look back and I go, wow, there was a lot of, a lot of moving parts to get me where I am today. God must have a purpose. And that's a, that's, that's a, that's a nice thing. And, and the fact that my biological parents have been so warm and welcoming and understanding, you know, at Christmas, I'm with my my parents, James and Betty Robinson, you know, and so I've navigated those things. But, you know, for a lot of people, their story is not as easy. Uh, it's not as welcoming. It's not as warm. Uh, and it's a struggle. And it it relates, I think, to everybody in, in a certain way, because I think we all struggle sometimes with the sense of identity. Uh, and does God really welcome us in as sons and daughters? Uh, and, and I think when you when you get that, it really, it changes who you are. Because that's a big question. Who am I? Why am I here? Right? Well, today's guest uh, has, unfortunately, a, a story that was um, not the blessing that, that mine was. So he's, he's had to struggle with a lot of these things directly. And uh, it's really forced him to a deeper place and a deeper relationship with God. In fact, he writes about it in a book that's available now called An Orphan in the house of God. Uh, the author is Craig Delisio, and he joins us now uh, to tell his story. If you're watching us live, we invite you to be a part of the conversation. Chat is open, and in the replay, we appreciate your kind comments as well. Uh, let us know if you appreciate these interviews. Um, but Craig, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. Um, walk us in, into this where, wherever you want to pick up the story and and uh, and tell us because it's a it's a oh. it's a long one it's a little bit you know right there's a lot to yeah. it uh, but it's an interesting one so welcome like you were saying there's a there's a lot of moving parts and I, <laughs> I will tell you you didn't know this today's my birthday ah happy uh, birthday thank you and I would I would tell you that this is the first birthday I am 60 today this is the first birthday in my life that I've ever actually wanted like enjoyed. I don't, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I, it's just me and my daughter. And, but I typically will vanish from social media and don't answer the phone. And that's how I always took my birthday from early adulthood, really. Uh, Cause it was never celebrated when I was growing up. It, my brothers and sister were, but mine wasn't. I never could figure out why my mom told me it was because my birthday was the first week of school usually back in I'm from the Philadelphia area and we start school a little bit later than they do in the South. And so it's usually the first with Tuesday after uh, Labor Day. So it's, you know, it was a busy week, whatever. And there was always a reason, but I would be in school watching other moms come in with the little cupcakes for the rest of the class. <laughs> and it was, and I, I didn't, I know this sounds like I'm whining, but it, like 
Um, I, I asked about it one time and my mom just made an excuse about it. And it got to the point where I started, I stopped asking about it. And it, it just occurred to me that my birthday just doesn't matter, but I couldn't figure it out. A few years ago, I had just begun seeing myself changing. Um, I'd always been a real uh, gregarious, outgoing person, love people. And and some somewhere in the last 15 years, 20 years, um, I started really not being that guy anymore. I was joking about with my friends about becoming Walt Kowalski from Gran Torino, where I just wanted to yell at people to get off my <laughs> lawn all the time and stay away from me. And I was becoming a, a real misanthrope. Like I just didn't want to be around people anymore, which for me is really, if you'd, if you'd have taken the, the previous 40 years of my life, that was, you'd, you'd have been like the last guy we think would become a, 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 a hermit, not wanting to be around people would have been Craig. And I couldn't figure out why. And there was a lot of anger building up and a lot of just, you know, resentment towards anybody. And it, and it was starting to show and I didn't like it. And I started praying about it. God, what's going on? You got to show me what's happening with me. I don't, I don't understand this. And I prayed this for years and I, I was doing a Bible study with a coworker. I used to work at Liberty University and, and we came across, we were reading our way through a book and he asked me a question it was in the book. It's kind of a workbook. And it said, what did God do this week that really took you by surprise? Or what did God reveal to you this week that really took you by surprise? And I sort of blurted it out. Like, I don't know where the words came from, but I said, Nathan, I don't know how to be a child of God because I've never been a child. I had to grow up at age four. My mom got pregnant. My mom and dad never got married. My mom got pregnant when she was 20. My dad didn't want to marry her. Um, and uh, he was in college. Um and he and he was the, he was a son of immigrants. He was one of fourteen kids, and he he wanted to go to college and, and graduate. And he had dreams, and he didn't want to marry my mom. Um, and she got pregnant, actually on on purpose, as far as I can tell, and thinking that he would marry her, and that didn't work. And we came home from the hospital and to to live with my grandparents, her mom and dad, and she went right back to being twenty years old. And my grandmother really raised me. So for four years, I had this great, loving, doting mother figure, and. Then my mom married my stepfather and we moved away and uh, she told me that that was my dad. She didn't tell me about my real father. And and she explained the four missing years as he sailed on oil tankers. And, and he actually did when they met. And then I just didn't remember him because he was out to sea a lot. But all of a sudden I went from being a normal child with a, a, a mom figure, my grandmother, but she doted over me and I could be a child and to a, to a house where I was not my mom really didn't want me and my stepfather didn't want any kids really and he married my mom because he just wanted to get married and i was suddenly in the way a lot and just you know just go outside and stay outside and and uh not celebrated and and not just not celebrated but not allowed to be a kid um, a child can be outside playing and bring that joy inside with them and the parents will kind of welcome that like that's you know that it's, it makes them happy i know when my daughter was little it always i loved it i had to stop being a kid at the door and i had to read my parents and see what mood they were in and could i change that and i would my stomach would hurt when my dad would pull up at night in the driveway when i heard his car pull up i'd go in my room just kind of listen and hear what kind of mood he was in before i would come out and I had to entertain my mom and keep her happy because she battled with depression and things. And I was always telling jokes and whatever. Mm -hmm. I learned very early on to be self-sufficient. I was working by the time I was eight years old, cutting grass and doing whatever I could do. And 
in and of itself. I had no problem with that. I learned a good work ethic. There's nothing wrong with that, but I had to, I, I learned by about eight years old, don't ask your mom, and dad for anything because they're not going to say yes. And they could say yes. It wasn't that we were poor. It was that everything I asked for seemed like it was going to be their undoing. Like, how dare you? Like, what do you mean you need shoes? Like, you know, um, and so I just stopped asking because the answer was always no. And it was a very kind of angry no. And I, I started picking up on something's wrong. I just didn't know what it was. And especially with my stepfather, who I thought was my dad. And I remember growing up just wondering sometimes, why can't I get my dad to love me? Mm. You know, my dad would never come to Little League games or I was a, a really good baseball player growing up. And I, and I picked up hockey pretty early on and I ended up playing college hockey couldn't get my parents to come and see me, couldn't get them to participate in anything. I was a, a straight A student all through school. I was, you know, a, a president of my, in my youth group growing up. And uh, it was sort of like, in fact, I was told at one point to stop talking about my achievements because my younger brother was jealous of me. And that was their, their sons to get, he had, they had two sons and a daughter together in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And I was a threat to them. Now I didn't know why I was a threat to them. I didn't know the story. Yeah. I just yeah. thought for some reason, they just don't like me <laughs> and it's a tough way to grow up. And I had to be an adult really quickly and it changed. I couldn't see myself as a child of God. I could do salvation, but I didn't know what kind of rights and privileges I had as a, as a child. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, so the classic thing with all of us is to project onto God, the characteristics of our earthly father. And you, the man you thought was your father, was distant, detached, uncaring. Uh, is, is that how you view God? And mean and going to kill me. <laughs> okay. I, I joke about that, but I, I mean, I was afraid of my stepfather. I th from Until I was about 15, I thought at some point he's going to lose his temper too much one day and can kill me. Um, and I finally got over that. I finally realized he's only going to hit the wall. He's only going to punch things in you know, inanimate objects. Yes. But I... You know, but I, it was, yeah, I, I certainly did that. And you, if you add on to that, I grew up in a pretty legalistic church where God was just itching to give you one for, right. you know, you, you went to a movie, you know, you're going to oh. die in a car accident on the way home. Like you heard things like that. I got over that part. I was able to separate God as my father from my dad, my stepdad. Mm. But I still couldn't figure out how God saw me as a child. That was where the real damage had been done, and it, and it affected everything. And I, I was reading Oliver Twist, uh, the book. Not the movie is so not like the book. <laughs> um, and, and the scene where Oliver asks for more, he's literally starving to death. I mean, Dickens describes it as a slow, painful starvation. And he, and he goes and he asks for more, and he's actually throttled for that, beaten with the ladle and thrown out of the orphanage. And, and when I read that, I was crying, thinking that sums up my Christian life. I can ask, I, I've just met you. And if you said, I have a dire prayer need, I need you to pray for me. I could have poured my heart out to God, believing God was going to answer that prayer for you. Mm. I never asked God for anything from me. I didn't think he cared. I thought it was very much like an orphanage where you get the basics. You mm. get food, three meals a day, and that's it. And you're on your own. <laughs> and I, I lived that way for most of my Christian life, which is tragic. When, uh, when, when did the home situation, the, the earthly parent situation, start to sort of unravel uh, that might have shed a little bit of light on your childhood? I was a freshman in college. I came home, and I had gotten an anniversary card from my parents. Their anniversary was December 10th. 
and I didn't know which anniversary it was. I was 21, so I assumed it was either 22 or 23, right? Because you just <laughs> assumed I, I wasn't at the wedding, as they say. But, you know, um, I just figured it's got to be at least 22 um, because I was born in September. So I, I gave it to my mom and I said, look, I didn't know, I didn't get the specific, you know, happy 22nd or because right. I don't remember which one it is. So I just got you this. And she starts crying. She says, it's our 17th. I'm like, what? And I'm, you know, that's not hard math to do. I'm like, that's four years before I was born or after I was born. And uh, she begins to tell me that Tom's not my dad. That's my stepfather. And that my real dad's name is Robert and um, who he is. And he's, he's, you know, he was at that point 20 miles away. Um, And he was a school teacher and he'd gotten, at that point he had his master's. My my dad got his PhD before he passed. But um, it just as i was telling you before we came on it, it, i've i you know in this computer age now people understand this imagine sitting at your desk in the same computer you've used for years and all of a sudden in the middle of your workday somebody reaches in and yanks the hard drive out and everything you knew about yourself every file every picture every every, every, every all the operating systems are gone and you don't know what to do, what to do. And somebody sticks a different one in there. Maybe you're using a Windows machine, and they try putting a, you know, a Mac in there. And mm-hmm. I know computer people are going to tell me that doesn't work, but you get the idea. I, I left that room that night. She said, "Go." I didn't want to believe it. I just couldn't. It was like it was too much. And I went to. Uh, she said, "Go ask your grandmother." And so I, it was her mom, the one that raised me. And I, I did. I just drove up, and I, I remember going up to Philly where my grandmom lived, and. And she was kind of surprised to see me because I didn't, I didn't call first. And I, I walked in and, I, and we were sitting at the kitchen table. My grandfather had passed by then. And I said, mama, my mom just told me about my dad. And uh, she started crying. And I said, she told me Tom's not my dad. Is this why you always would tell me that one day I would understand? My grandmom was my confidant. So mm-hmm. when things would go bad at home and I was really feeling really, really abused, I would go, you know, I was always staying at my grandmom's a week at a time or whatever. And I would tell her what was going on. And she, my mom made her promise to never tell. And Mm -hmm. she kept her word, but she would say, someday you'll understand. And she'd be crying when she said it. And it it ate at her to know that I probably could have processed all this better if I just knew he wasn't my father. Mm -hmm. And uh, she told me the whole story and told me all about my dad and how she really liked him and, and always had hoped that my mom would have, they would have gotten together and how she had hoped he could have been an influence on my life because he was a sports fan and he was such a great father. And, and, um, I drove from her house to another friend's house cause I just needed to talk this out. And it took me six years just to be able to reach out to my dad and, and say, Hey, this, you know, I know you, maybe, you know, who I am. Maybe you remember all this. He had, he had signed over. He got back, he did two tours in Vietnam and he got back in 67 and my stepfather, he was, he was in, he was back home 10 days when they hit him with, here's the deal. You can catch up on all that child support or you can, which I think they were taking it out of his check anyway, but, or you can sign over uh, parental rights and pay for the adoption and go on with your life. And he chose to do that. And he, and you know, it was, so we talked a couple of times, but then it finally reached out to him at 43 and we had a, he drove to Tennessee where I was living at the time. And we talked for three hours face to face and I thought it was going well. And, it wasn't he he never did want a relationship he actually died while i was writing the book he died a year ago and i never you know never, never got the record never really got the, so I, yeah. I, you know it's it's tough enough with the stepdad especially when you don't understand the disconnect there that you're not his child uh there there's sort of your you know your orphan mentality right there exactly. Exactly. but then when you find your your biological father 
him want anything to do with you? I mean, did that just reinforce this idea that fathers don't want anything to do with their own sons? It hurt worse than what my stepdad did to me. Uh, um, now, the rest of the family amazingly really accepted me. I have cousins that I'm so close with, and I have one uncle remaining. Uh, there's only one you know, man in the family left, my Uncle Franny, who's just been loving towards me since I met him. But my dad's rejection of me, and I, I said this in the book, like it, if he had been a hell's angel or or just a ne'er-do-well, or, you know, mm -hmm. some guy that was drifting, I would have probably understood that better. Mm -hmm. But he was a war hero. He was twice decorated. He was a school teacher. He had earned his PhD uh, at 58. He was a beloved school teacher for 35 years. Like kids named their male children after him because mm -hmm. Mr. Delisio had such an effect on them. And he and my cousin said it's so out of character for Uncle Bobby to treat you like this. Like this is not. We can't figure this out. And so that just you know. And I think they were trying to help me cope with that. And it, it, and I, I I never got mad about them saying that because I understood what they were doing. But it hurt more. It's like so. Why am I the oddball? Like why am I so darn rejectable? I mean, my mother did. My my stepfather obviously did. And now my own dad. Who I didn't ask for a thing. I mean, I made it clear to him when I met him. I don't want anything. You can write me out of your will. I don't care. I, I don't want to go back in the backyard and have a catch like we were 10 years old. It's, mm. you know, you can't sell sawdust. Whatever relationship you have with a with a dad at 43, when I had this conversation, that's what I want. And um, I couldn't get it. And I hurt more, even, even more so from my daughter, because she doesn't really have any real grandparents. And huh. my dad would have probably been a good one. And, um, you know, just not. Right. The, yeah. And the, I mean, that's what do you do? What, what do you what do you do with that pain? I mean, uh, because that's that's hardcore rejection, you know, uh, and it's easy for us in the church. I know you've heard it say, well, but God's a perfect father. He loves us all. But those are deep rejection wounds. What do you is that probably what got you to the place you were at a few years ago? Yeah. And he gets us. See, he loves us through people, though. I mean, mm -hmm. he does it. You know, he could do a heart transplant somehow, and he does that with people once in a while. But for the most part, he expresses his love to us through our parents, through people that love us, through, in my case, looking backwards as I wrote the book, men that came into my, like, I could have been such easy prey for some kind of a predator. Mm. I played Little League Baseball from the time I was seven till I was 19, because I have a late birthday, so I got a couple extra seasons in there. Yeah, I had nothing but the best coaches. I never had one man that ever tried to take advantage of me. Mm. Always seemed like the right people at the right time. I had an eighth grade school teacher named Richard Farmer, who I've reconnected with on Facebook, who I openly say literally saved my life. Mm. Um, he saw something in me in eighth grade, I was hurting and I didn't know what it was. And he was willing at a time when teachers could put their arm around you and not, you know, be threatened with a lawsuit. And he would pull me aside after class and have a chat with me, the kind of chat my dad should have been having. And, and it, God was there the whole time expressing his affection for me, but it really did harden my heart. And then I went through a divorce and I went through, uh, I'm in the mortgage industry. And in 2008, we know what happened to that. I, I actually lost my home. Um, at the, my ex had remarried and my, and she'd married a very abusive guy that my daughter was in jeopardy and she was 10 years old. And I, I thought about leaving Nashville to go find some work somewhere, but he was so bad. My, my ex, my ex-wife's then husband, I couldn't, I had to stay. And so I ran out of money and I couldn't find work and I lived in my car and it just, I stayed, I, I chose to be homeless. I stayed in town. So my daughter would have me. Um, by the time I came through all that, there were times I would. 
I would be drifting off to sleep in my car. I, by that point, I, I bought this old beat up Yukon that at least I could stretch out in the back of it. And I was parking on a friend of mine's farm. So I was, you know, at least the cops didn't come and rouse me or anything. <laughs> but sometimes I'd be sitting there thinking, yeah, this is what you deserve. That this is all you should be having. Mm-hmm. And, and that was that orphan talking. And, mm-hmm. and I started realizing, you know, when Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't, don't disallow them because this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And until you become like one, you're never going to understand the kingdom of heaven. And that verse just meant nothing to me. And it, like, okay. And when Paul would talk about the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, I'd be like, okay, well, I don't really like that term adoption because it didn't work for me very well. Yeah. And I started right. I started realizing that's where my problem was. And then when I read Oliver Twist, I'm like, Holy Moses, you're you're an orphan. You have mm-hmm. parents, but and I was I did some research and found out that that's a legitimate anomaly in psychology. It's called emotional orphanage. You can have parents and have all the same characteristics mm-hmm. and personality traits of an orphan because you were really raised like one. And uh, and I was I started just praying about it and I started writing the book and I said, God, shouldn't you heal me first? And I heard God tell me, like, now nah, I'm going to heal you while you write this, because if you don't, if you're healed first, it'll be way not raw enough, and it's going to have to be painful. And it was. I did. This is of seven books I've written. This is the one I didn't want to write. And I would stop sometimes and be crying and say out loud, like, how could you do that to a five-year-old boy? And you know, and, and I, I just got through it. Yeah. Well, so let me, well, let me show people the book, by the way, this is an orphan in the house of God. It's available wherever you get books. Um, and if you want to, you know, get further into Craig's story, you can do that. We've got a buzzer going off if you can hear that, but, um, here's, here's, you you talk about writing the book. Are you healed? Are you healing? I mean, is this an ongoing thing? It's going to be an ongoing thing that that orphan keeps trying to show up every once in a while. But like I was saying, like just today celebrating my birthday, this is the first time I've ever wanted to be like, okay, yeah, I thank you for wishing me happy birthday. You guys, I never felt like I wanted to talk about my birthday because I knew nobody, it was not a good day for anybody. And there's an amazing story in there that I wrote about where God showed me that no matter what my mom and dad thought he wanted, he had planned me all along. And and it was based on a Rich Mullins song, actually, that God just, I was listening to the song one day, and God says, see, that's how I feel about you. And mm. I finally had a moment, I was eight months into writing this book, and I, I I get up very early, and I was it was right after my dad died, maybe two days after, and I was sitting on my couch about 4.30 in the morning, and I said, God, I've had enough. You gotta, you gotta show me what it's like. I still don't know. Eight months of writing, I still don't know what it is to be your child. I know what salvation is, but I don't know what it looks like. And the Holy Spirit just gave me a memory. And it wasn't like a vision or anything. If this really happened, I just happened to really acutely remember it. When my daughter was four, we were at our house. It was my weekend with her. And she came running into my room. I was in my office doing some work. And she jumped up in my lap and said, Daddy, can I have a Barbie Jeep? And it was the Barbie Jeep's the big power wheels. They get in <laughs> right, and drive right, battery right. powered car. And it, it had been on my radar anyway, because she was in the Barbie phase. And, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, honey, I can't go get you one today. But it was like October. I said, how about if we put it on your Christmas list? And if I don't get it for you, Santa will. But we'll make sure you get one. And she gave me a big hug and said, okay. And she went back and watched TV or whatever she was doing. And I saw that. And 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 God said, look how she did that. Yeah. She didn't ask. She didn't come in and bargain. She didn't say, I'll clean my room. I'll be good. I'll get good grades. Uh, is daddy, is, can I bother you? She ran boldly, jumped in my lap and asked me for something. Mm-hmm. And what Paul says, come boldly to the throne of grace. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. 
the first time in my life I had an archetype. Oh, that's what it is. Like I, God can't wait to her jumping in my lap. She could have asked me for anything <laughs> Daddy, can I have a space shuttle and go to the moon. Sure. If I can get that for you, it's yours. <laughs> I just love you. I, and this 30 seconds is worth gold to me. And I, for the first time I captured, that's what it's like. That That's what it, that's how God views me. Like, come on, what do you, you know, Ed Tandy McGlasson talks about learning that a conversation with your father is as simple as when you're sitting at the table and say, dad, would you pass us all? Like, mm. that's what it really is. Mm. And all those years I thought I had to come and grovel and beg and do the whole, oh, most holy, holy God. And, you know, this, you know, and self-flagellate and think of all the reasons that he wasn't going to ask me. My prayers would open every time I opened my mouth with some sort of a confession of a sin I didn't even know I committed. I just felt dirty all the time, yeah. like unworthy. Yeah. And that stopped. That's the, it, it, writing the book has brought me healing. Well, wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And do you see a lot of other people that struggle with some sort of orphan mentality when it comes to God? Even way more than I thought. Yeah, I, I, I really thought writing this book, Randy. I thought this is just for me. You know, this could be <laughs> one big exercise in journaling, and uh, and it only brought me healing. And I was surprised that even friends of mine that had great families. Um, they learn more about the depth of their love of God's love for us, even though they had didn't have any of the things I battled. But yes, I have talked to people that read it that said I never knew this was what I was battling. I have a dear friend here in Lynchburg, uh, Karen Fortune, who I it, that would take an hour to tell you how we were even brought together as friends. But God, it was this book was if it was written for anybody besides me, it was her and and God. She'd been wandering from God for years. And I got her a copy of my book and she called me uh, a day later and said, for the first time, I understand why I have done things to myself for mm. so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that, that spirit of orphanage, I think, was sent to battle that spirit of adoption. And Satan will will steal that from us every chance he gets. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what someone someone's watching this and they're like, oh, my goodness, I can relate to this guy, even though I don't have the, you know, the dysfunctional childhood that he did, the the relationship with God. Uh, that's the way I feel. What, what do you What do you say to that person? You don't really understand how much God loves you. I didn't. I had no idea. I have a bachelor's degree in religion. I mean, I've studied the Bible. I've just always loved it my whole life, and I I never it never clicked with me. I never had that archetype. I would breathe my last breath into my daughter's lungs and be glad to do it. I would I would heap my dreams in in a pile and set them on fire just to show her the way to get hers. That's how God feels about us. God does, you know, want to indulge us and, and it's not spoil and it's not the whole prosperity gospel thing. It's just, listen, unless it's bad for you, he's going to do it. He wants to do it. Mm -hmm. And it, you, you just, if it, maybe you never had, you know, maybe you had good parents that just weren't loving. They didn't know how to love and you had to grow up quickly. Find an idea of a, of a child, find a child that you think, boy, that's, I wish I had that. Well, you do. Uh, and you were very much wanted. My, if there's anything I learned in all this, it was that although my birth was bad for my mom and bad for my dad, and it ruined both their dreams, and because uh, you know, not my fault, but it, you know, yeah. God was all the time. He was celebrating. God was pacing that waiting room. That's the picture I like to paint, mm. like a proud dad, and he couldn't wait for me to be born, despite what my earthly parents said. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. I did keep enjoying that relationship that you've recently discovered because it just gets better and better uh and and i think talking about it probably helps a little bit so i appreciate really you do. yeah 
Appreciate you doing that, man. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? This has been such a blessing to talk to you today. Yeah, you, know, you can get the book at Amazon. Uh, my website is uh, cdbookstore.com because my last name's too hard to spell. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. So, uh, well, it's on the screen now, Craig Delisio, if okay. you want to spell it, or CD for Craig Delisio. cdbookstore.com, yeah. And I, I would love to come tell my stories. If any like pastors or anybody wants to you know, invite me to come, I, you know, I have a job, so I travel for free. You don't have to pay me. <laughs> I just come and do it. I like seeing people set free from it, and it, it, it does me good. Every time I talk about it, it brings me some healing, too. Yeah, so. well, yeah, and if anybody out there watching, if you're struggling with it, find somebody you can trust that you can talk to about it, too, because yeah. you're not alone. You're, you're not an orphan in God's house, and that's nope. what you need to hear today. Again, Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to thank share. It. Really good, really good. Keep sharing, and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Mine was last week, and I didn't tell people, not because I'm ashamed of it, because I just don't like the number that just keeps getting bigger and bigger, although that is the goal, so I guess I can't complain. Anyway, appreciate you guys out there watching. If you know someone that needs to hear this, send them, uh, hit the share button. And if you haven't liked, follow, or subscribe, I would invite you to do that now. Uh, and you do find Craig's website. It looks just like this. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Brings of grace.